for the latest news on money, politics, prophecy, and preparedness. And now your host, the editor-in-chief of ChristianMoney.com and the author of more than 30 books, Jim Paris. All right. Hello, everybody. Welcome to our guest segment. We're so excited to have her back with us, a trusted voice, Dr. Elena George. She is an ear, nose, and throat doctor and an MD in the Atlanta area. Uh, she's also author of the book, Big Medicine, and she knows a lot about alternatives to health insurance and just different unique ways of saving money. Uh, and so you want to make sure to check out her website and, and get information on all of that. But we wanted to uh, have you back on the show and good to have you with us again, Dr. George. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be with you. I wanted to have you to kind of bring, you know, some sanity and some wisdom to what we're all worried about. And I'm a little bit confused because Maybe about four or five days ago, we still had a lot of people laughing about this. I would post a news story on my Facebook and people would put the smiley face like they're laughing about it. And then some people say this is all made up. It's a hoax because we're they're left. The left wing is trying to hurt Trump. But now something's happened today because with the state of California closing, uh, I guess, all bars half capacity of restaurants, Illinois, all restaurants, all bars, Ohio, all restaurants, all bars, Disney World is closed, Universal is closed, hotels are closing down. This is like we're in a movie, and, and I don't think there's very many people laughing anymore. This is this is a serious thing. Well, I, I think the, the president's statement on Friday was uh, very telling that it's now we're in a state of emergency. So... I think this is an opportunity for us as citizens to have a plan. This is, I think, the most important thing that people can take from this whole situation is that you have to be proactive and that you're the person who needs to take control of your household. I wouldn't depend on the government. I wouldn't depend on an outside source. So I think from that standpoint, that's something that we can all agree on, whether the, the naysayers or the people who are or thinking this is the worst epidemic ever. This is something that I think is something that is a, a something that connects all of the all of us, and we can all benefit from it. What What do you think about this idea that the warm weather is going to wipe this out? Because I think that would be great. It was like eighty five today here in Florida, and is that mm-hmm. typically something that that we could hope for that the warmer weather that is now coming. Uh, at least to the south, we've got warm weather already. Our spring comes a little earlier than the states up north. Is that something realistic to hope for? I think it's certainly a possibility. That's how the typical flu season ends. It's when we hit spring and we hit warmer weather. 
Uh, so there is nothing that states that this virus would act any differently. So I would be optimistic that from a um, standpoint of what we know about flu season in general, it does wane in the summer, spring and summer months. And we have no, in- no indication that this will not work that same way. How do you think that we're doing as far as testing? I keep seeing these news stories with just paltry figures like the CDC has only tested like 75 people and then another one they only tested. These are really low numbers. And I'm wondering if if we we just don't know how big this is because we haven't tested enough people. Is that possible? I think we need to look at initially at how the public health system was set up and how the testing system was set up. Everything initially had to go through the CDC. So there were not point of test at doctor's offices. You had to call the health department, have them come in and assess, and then all testing was done at the CDC. So I think that was the initial choke point on why testing levels were so low. And it turns out from that press conference that the tests that they were using had a significant false positive rate. So actually, it's a blessing that we weren't testing a lot of people through that system, because I think it would have overread the number of people who were testing positive. Is this something that a regular doctor, like if I felt like I might have this, that I could call my GP and he would have me come in and be tested? What would what would be the procedure if if somebody felt that they had this? What do they actually do, like step by step? Do they do they try to go see a doctor? Do they go to the hospital? Do they stay home and do like connecting by telemedicine on Skype? What are mm-hmm. really the best steps they should take? I think now the first thing is to contact your physician, speak to them, tell them your symptoms. They may do telemedicine if they offer that, which is great. They may send you um, to the emergency room, but. As of Friday, we are now hearing that the government is going to ramp up drive-through testing, which would be amazing. So Walmart and Target are going to be able to use their, their parking lots as centers that people can drive through and get tested. And the testing results will come back within hours as opposed to days. Wow. So that's going to release and relieve a lot of stress for people. And it's free, by the way. So you're not going to have to worry about, I can't get in. I have to be sick with a fever. It's it's going to alleviate a lot of that what if. And I think that will allay a lot of fears and people find out they don't have the virus. Now, let's say that you do test positive. So you you get tested and you test positive. And let's say that you're not someone in one of those high uh, risk groups. Are you automatically Mm -hmm. then going to be like taken into a hospital and put into a hospital room? Or are you going to be told to stay at home and isolate and then maybe be given some antibiotics or something. Tell us what would happen to a person that's a not high risk category that is positive. Right. You'll actually be asked to go home and quarantine. um, And obviously you're not going to go to work or leave the home for those 14 or I should say as many, many days as you're symptomatic. And I just read, I just saw, um, a story on 60 Minutes that in New York, they have a system set up that if you are sick, people come and deliver food to you and medication if you need it. So I think there's an infrastructure that's being set up. And you'll have to look at your particular city because it's it's being really set up on the local level. 
but technically you should be able to get support from your citywide or statewide health department and public health service. So getting food, getting medication won't be a problem. Does the uh, typical antibiotic, does that work at all on the coronavirus or is there something new and special that they're having to come up with to deal with this? Well, and maybe people don't know, but antibiotics don't treat viruses. They treat bacterial infections. And when people are given an antibiotic, it's because there's been a secondary infection after you initially got the virus. So things like pneumonia, which happen usually as, uh, I would say, a secondary effect from the virus, those mm-hmm. folks would need an antibiotic. But it's not something at this moment that they have um, an antiviral, although there are some in the pipeline. I think that they fast-tracked, and it should be ready sooner rather than later. As so well so as the infection would be you get coronavirus, and then as a side effect, you get a respiratory-type infection, pneumonia. Correct. Then that secondary issue that, that is, is the result of it, that can be treated with a standard antibiotic. But the actual coronavirus, if that's all you have and you don't have the secondary, then the antibiotic is not going to do anything. That's correct. But I think people should now think about ramping up their immune system. I think this is a an excellent teaching point for complementary medicine. We already know that there are certain vitamins and supplements that help boost your immune response. And I would recommend that people be proactive again and they start supplementing so that they can actually enhance their, their resistance and their immune response before they get sick. And that's something that everybody can do. Now, do you know much about that? Because I I would love to know what some of those supplements are. I've heard, for example, that vitamin D is really good and Mm -hmm. you can get natural vitamin D by walking around in the beautiful sunlight, which is what my wife and I, we did a a three mile walk today and got a lot of sun. And that's one way to get vitamin D. But but is vitamin D one? And then I know you can obviously Mm -hmm. buy vitamin D. But what are some of those supplements that people could start taking to make their immune system stronger? Absolutely. Vitamin D3 is an an amazing and important supplement that I would definitely get rolling immediately. I think that's one of the main things that set people up for infections in the winter months. They're wrapped up. They don't get sun exposure or they work in an office setting and they don't get out much. Vitamin D3 is a foundation supplement that everybody needs to be on. I think that's one of the most common vitamin deficiencies that we have. The second thing would be zinc, um, selenium, um, things like um, astragalus root, uh, making sure you actually, and it sounds like it's the most boring thing, but washing your hands, and that's the most important thing. If you don't introduce the virus into your, your mucous membranes, nose, eye, mouth, then you're less likely to get it. Making sure you rest, because if you don't sleep, then your immune system doesn't have the time to ramp up and actually help you. So getting good quality sleep, exercising, um, getting, I love sunlight as well. I think that's a great idea. It, it boosts your, your, um, just the endorphins that you're going to have, which also help you and your state of mind, which mind and body are actually connected. Um, there's another supplement called C60, which is a, a nanocarbon. It's relatively new, but it's an excellent antioxidant, and it would help boost the immune system and help cellular repair. 
So there are a lot of things out there that aren't going to cost them, uh, you know, a great deal of money, but will actually support the immune system. What do you know about this colloidal silver? Apparently, this was like a big news story all week that the FDA mm-hmm. is going after the TV evangelist Jim Baker and Alex Jones, who has a radio show, and other people that are promoting this colloidal silver. So I put this up on my social media, and I was so surprised because I've really not heard much about this. I know a little bit about it, but so many of my people said, oh, I I swear by that. I use that all the time, and I use that in place of an antibiotic. And I never really was familiar with this so-called colloidal silver. Do you know anything about that? Um, it, it does. It's not new. It's been around for quite a while and people use it. They can irrigate their nose with it to try to lower the amount of virus and bacteria in the nose. It's basically a, an immune support. Um, but you have to make sure that you're you're getting it from a reputable source and you're not making it yourself, getting it from one of these discount uh, websites. Yeah. You know, and I love the fact that you're you're a medical doctor, but you also like supplements, I, I've always felt like, wh- why is it an either or? You know, wh- why why do we do this? Why is it supplements only or the medical you know approach only? Why can't we we have both? Because um, you know, I, I know people that swear by supplements, and we've got, we have guests on who are experts in in that sort of thing, and they've got all kinds of great things. And I I just look at people that I know who are taking all the supplements, and they look great. And I'm I'm like, what's your secret? And they say, well, I take all these supplements. And so you know, it it sure seems to you know pan out in terms of of what I've seen anecdotally from people. For those people that you know, what do you make of all these masks that people are now starting to wear? Um, I've read that. If you're sick, you wear the mask to protect from you actually infecting someone else. But if you are not sick, walking around with one of those surgical masks on is kind of silly and it won't help you. What's the truth about that? I I subscribe to where making yourself feel comfortable. I don't think there's any problem with people wearing a mask. We don't know if this is airborne. We don't know if you're in a, if you're with a loved one who's sick. It certainly benefits you wearing a mask in their presence if they're coughing and sneezing. I have seen a few people uh, walking around with the masks on, and I really don't have a problem with that, honestly. I saw a lot of that when I was in South Korea a year and a half ago, of course, before mm-hmm. before all of this. Just that some people, not you know, maybe five, ten percent of the population just wore those masks when they were on subways and, you know, the really crowded areas. They just that was part of their culture mm-hmm. that they wear that. Now one of the things that a lot of people are saying, the younger people are throwing caution to the wind and they're saying, look, this is for the older people. You know, so when you're my age, I'm 55. So when they start saying, oh, it only affects the elderly, I, I feel OK about that for about 30 seconds until I realize that I'm part of the elderly <laughs> or at least I'm on the threshold <laughs> of that. So the young people, they're they're all their view is like, oh, this is this is for the old people, not for us. It's not going to affect us. But they, they're they not really thinking, are they? Because, you know, if you're a younger no. person, what about if you're carrying it and you expose to an older person because you're carrying it, maybe you don't get that sick, but you expose the virus to someone that you love, your parent, your grandparent, whatever. Uh, can you speak to that? That's an excellent point. Um, I mean, most people actually will have mild symptoms. They may not even know that they have it. They don't have a fever. They don't have a runny nose, but 
potentially they can infect their loved ones. And so I, I'm, I really have uh, an issue with people of thinking of, hey, they're for the grace of God. It's not me and I don't care. We are all, we're all in this together, right? It doesn't matter if you're 80, if you're two, we all need to take care of everybody else. And so by people being cavalier and getting in public spaces, like the gentleman who flew recently on JetBlue, who had the test, didn't wait for the result and got on the plane. I mean, that's just selfish. We all need to, if you think you've been exposed, you need to self-quarantine. You need to keep your distance. If you're sick, don't go to work. Everybody understands what's going on now. But in order for a public health um, situation to be controlled, everybody has to believe that they have skin in the game. That, to me, would be the most important message to the young folks. And it still can affect them if they have asthma or underlying respiratory condition. So they shouldn't be, it shouldn't think that they're untouchable. And our guest tonight is Dr. Elena George, and you can find her website, DrElenaGeorge.com, and that's D-R, and then Elena, E-L-A-I-N-A, George, DrElenaGeorge.com, that's DrElenaGeorge.com, or if you just Google her name, you'll find that, and we'll be sharing a link uh, on our social media as well. Let's open up the phone lines if you're listening tonight and you have your own question we don't want to we're not going to do individual diagnoses or anything like that because you can't do that on the radio. But you can certainly call in and ask your general question, maybe something you want to ask that I haven't asked. Here's the call in number tonight. It's 888-287-3316. Uh, or you can call uh, our, our toll number, which is 646-716-4041. 646-716-4041. Four zero four one or toll free eight 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 two eight seven three three one six eight 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 two eight seven three three one six or questions by email Jim at christianmoney dot com Jim at christianmoney dot com. Okay, so I've already got a few questions that have come in even before you were with us. Uh, this is a great one. They say that they have read that. This could live on surfaces outside of the body for days and days. They're saying here nine days is what they've heard. Is that really true? I mean, like literally somebody sits down at a table at Starbucks and then nine days later, that person could have left the coronavirus on that table that I touch and that's how I could get it. That sounds crazy to me. Well, I've heard three days, but actually... It is true that it can survive on an inanimate object for a period of time. That's where the washing your hands and not touching your face and eyes come into play. It's not going to be, you know, transmitted to you by you touching a surface. It's you touching it and then transmitting it to a mucous membrane. So bringing those um, sanitary um, uh, wipes with you so you can wipe down the surface of your table. If you're flying, wiping down the touch screen and the, the table for you put your food on making sure you wipe your hands and wash your hands. These are the most important things. And that goes for the flu, for common cold, everything. So I think if anything, if people's hygiene are, have improved during this time. And that's one way to protect yourself. It's really easy. All right. So this next question is asking, uh, this emailer is from Chicago. They want to know, are you aware of any time frame? Like, could we be talking about this I don't know, September, October, or is this something where 
whatever happens one way or the other, it's going to happen in a certain window of time, like a few weeks from now. Do you have any sense of a time frame for this? That's a great question. I don't think I can tell you definitively how it's going to go because this is a new um, a novel virus. But if it acts like the common cold, flu virus, the the cases and the, the amount of infections should start to drop beginning April, May, June, as we hit spring and into the summer months. I think the if you can believe the Chinese, it's already waned in China. Um, so I think, and you know, their situation is a little different than ours. The air quality, the nutritional status, the fact that a lot of their population smoke, they were really a lot more susceptible than the average American would be if you look at those absolutes. But with with God's grace, this will start to end and drop as we hit the spring and summer months. Do you have any sense of the origins of this? I know I'm not a medical person at all, so I have no idea how these things get started. But there's been a number of conspiracy theories about, you know, the Chinese had a lab that was in the same town where this all happened. And how does this kind of thing get started? Uh, and, and are there any signs of uh, or any proof that this wasn't just some naturally occurring virus that that gets going like any other virus? That's a really difficult question to answer. I think I've read the same articles as you have. I, from a science standpoint, as a biologist, I'm a little interested to know that there are novel segments of the RNA compared to the regular cold virus. That That's kind of interesting to me. I don't know how that got in. I don't know if it's animal and in some sort of chimera, uh, chimera formation. That means two different strains or types of DNA um, commingling and becoming a novel strand. I don't know. I do know that we're in a position now that we as, as a society and, and worldwide, we need to start taking significant public health steps. I think it's really smart that the government has stopped planes from flying in from epicenters like Europe now and China before. You have to lim limit the amount of exposure coming in. I think the governors now are maybe being a little bit too aggressive with closing restaurants and bars without any notice. It's, I think it has potential to make things a little bit more um, chaotic than they should be. Yeah, I know that that really got my attention, you know, being a money guy, because I'm thinking, wow, what does that do to the economy? Like, you know, all these people that work in all these restaurants no longer are getting right. a paycheck. And how does that bake into the economy a month, two months, six months down the road? Another question here, this coming from Dallas, Texas. They want to know about hand washing and the different uh, sanitizers. And there's so much discussion of this today. You know, no, mm -hmm. if you use soap and water, it's better. And then, you know, as long as you scrub long enough and then others are saying, no, you need to use the hand sanitizer. That's better. I mean, I know sometimes you don't have access to soap and water. So the hand sanitizer is your only mm -hmm. option. But which which of those two options is really better uh, if you had the choice? I prefer soap and water because it, it doesn't dry your skin as much. Some of the alcohol-based san hand sanitizers can make your, your hands really dry. Mm -hmm. And if you have cracks in the skin, then that can become a source for the virus to get in. So if you're washing your hands frequently, you want to make sure that you're not 
getting rid of too many of the oils and making the skin dry and irritated, that kind of defeats the purpose. And on that same topic, another question someone wants to know about cleaning their house and what types of cleaners would they would they want to use? I know like at our local grocery store, I haven't been able to buy bleach for a week. And at first when I saw it, I was like, wow, well, why do people want whiter whites during the coronavirus? Because <laughs> I'm, you know, I'm not thinking like like the, you know, a normal person. I'm like, what's going on here? And oh, everybody's taking this because it kills the coronavirus. If you have bleach and you put bleach in your you know, water and you have hot water and a mop and, and bleach in there. You can clean your house. You can clean countertops. Is bleach something that is good to use or is there something better? Well, bleach is fine, but also Lysol um, does a great job at killing like 99% of viruses and bacteria. So you, as long as you get something, I think it's better than just plain soap and water. But Lysol and the bleach would be really diluted, so it's not full strength, obviously. And uh, another question here about food. Uh, can you trust food, they're asking, that you get from a restaurant? Because you don't know, even if people, you know, who's handling your food, they might, you know, you go to a restaurant and people are standing over your food that are making it. And sometimes they have gloves on and sometimes not and sometimes they have like a mask over their face if it's like our deli the guys in the back will wear like a little screen if they have a beard they'll wear like a little little mask right. but you know realistically they're kind of breathing over your food and touching it can you trust food made by other people if if all of this is happening i mean how do you know if the sandwich doesn't have some of this on it that you get at Burger King or you get uh, takeout service at a restaurant that's not closed down on the on the outside? I, again, I it's a hard question to answer. Obviously, if someone has an upper respiratory infection with symptoms, runny nose, sneezing, that's a no-brainer. I don't care if, and if the coronavirus wasn't around, I would need food with someone who doesn't wear gloves. That's not sanitary. So I think one of the things that we need to use is common sense. And... If the restaurant, if it's cooked food or they're cooking it for in front of you, you know, that's going to basically kill a lot of bacteria and virus. If it's like cold cuts and salads where they're, you're just depending on the, the, it's not prepared in any way, that might be a little bit of a higher question mark. But I think people can use their common sense. It's not, it's not proven at this point that it's airborne. It, you need to be symptomatic for the most part that as far as I know. And to pass it. So if the person is sick, they really shouldn't be at work. So I think, you know, you have to use your judgment and your comfort level. But for the most part, people are still eating out and nobody's, there's no mass cases and, and epicenters of people getting sick from eating certain foods or certain food stores. Someone's emailing here. They have, someone's emailing here. They have five children and their schools are closed in their area. <laughs> oh, boy. I hate to be them. I know. Uh, so they want to know if you have any ideas or thoughts on how long this could be for the schools to be closed. I know it's sort of like a developing situation, but like here in Florida, they have everything closed for about two weeks 
and they're saying they're just going to kind of reevaluate and see what happens after a couple of weeks. Do you think that that is just the beginning and it could be a lot longer than that or do we just don't know? I don't think we know, but if they're able to come up with an antiviral because they fast-tracked everything and then that press conference, they were really very positive about their movement towards finding treatment, whether that be an antiviral or a vaccine sooner rather than later. I think those are going to be the things that really turn the corner on people that, that fear of the unknown and not being sure of when things are going to end. I think that would be a really good sign that we've we're coming, we have something that can actually break this cycle. I also think that once we start testing, once we get a feeling for how many people are, are testing positive and we get some real numbers, that would also help people make a decision because it's kind of an unknown at this point. And how, I think it's reasonable for people to take precautions. How long would it take from, you know, let's say tonight they discover the the, the cure to this, you know, the antiviral for this? What's mm -hmm. the process like from that moment to me having access to it if I'm sick? Does that happen in, in days or weeks or does that take months? Well, I think if we if he didn't, the president didn't have the state of emergency, it would take months. But they described being able to short circuit a lot of the the process that goes in where you have to get approval. It has to have trials. It has to have all of these things that happen, that can take two and three years for it to happen. And I don't know if you heard the press conference, but one of the physicians who was involved with the HIV AIDS epidemic back, um, I guess, in the early 90s, she said it was, the way that it was set up then, it, it took forever to find the vaccine, even the testing for it. And we now have a test that's got a less than 1% um, false positive rate that they're going to bring online. That's within literally weeks of this thing hitting the United States. The drug companies are already lined up to start manufacturing the um, the antiviral when they then when it gets made, and they're in the process of of doing that now. And I think the vice president mentioned first of all that coronavirus testing is going to be free at these drive-through spots, and then, so I believe that the, the um, medication is also going to be uh, just they're going to waive your copay. If you have if you have insurance, so they're doing everything they can that once it becomes available, I think it's going to be um, pushed out as fast as possible. And which I was really happy to hear, money is not going to be a thing that keeps people from being able to get treated, which I thought was awesome. Yeah, because we don't want people who are sick not getting care because they're worried about the money. No. That would be what we exactly. have now. <laughs> that would be the exactly. medical system we live under now. We wouldn't want to have that now, would we, going forward for this situation? No, we uh, wouldn't. Well, I will close it out by asking you this question, which I probably should have asked you in the beginning, but this is a question coming in, and I guess I just, I'm assuming too much that people know uh, already about this, but someone wants to know, can you just basically give us the the uh, the symptoms that would be you know that you should look for if if you're someone that if you're not feeling well right now maybe it's just a seasonal flu maybe you have a cold maybe you're tired uh, who knows but what are some of the you know three or four things that would really tip you off that you might have coronavirus the actual symptomatic issues to be on on alert for you know it's very similar to the common to the common flu so you're going to have runny nose, fever, sore throat. And the, I think the hallmark is the respiratory side of it, where you have shortness of breath, cough, 
um, wheezing. Uh, those are the main things. Difficulty breathing. Um, those are the main symptoms. So it's it's hard. Sometimes I think there's some diarrhea associated with it as well. So it it crosses with the symptoms. It's like a continuum with the with the flu symptoms. Therefore, if you think you're symptomatic and you have a fever, you should get tested. There's nothing wrong with that. Now that they're ramping up that system, that's what it's designed for. And if you are not positive, it gives you peace of mind and then it, it lets you be able to you know, to live and actually interact with people without everybody having to self-quarantine when maybe they may not have to in certain instances. So let's see how this plays out. But I think we're no longer, we're playing offense on this, which I think the media may not be, may not be accurately reflecting. I mean, the fact that the, the government is now looking at student loans and taking off, if you have a federal student loan, getting rid of the interest um, I think the Federal Reserve just dropped the interest rate to zero. The all of the I think the president met with the major food suppliers so that the food stores can actually be resupplied. I mean, he's thinking proactively because if you close down restaurants and eating facilities and your supermarkets are there, what are people supposed to do, right? So this is about being aggressive and proactive and everybody working together and not, unfortunately, playing politics during this time. I think it's really important. Yeah, I, I think it's a shame that people are making this political on either side. They're saying, oh, it's all about the election year. Well, you know, every four years we have a presidential election. So that's 25 percent of the time. And you just can't assume that mm -hmm. because this year is that year that this is automatically some kind of a giant conspiracy to cause Trump not to be elected. Because I've said I don't think this is going to play into the election one way or the other. I, I think it's just a terrible thing that happened and everybody's pulling together to try try to do good with it, uh, to try to get uh, you know answers as quickly as we can. As we close it out, Dr. George, thank you again for joining us. And take a minute and tell people how they can connect with you. I know you have a blog. You have uh, the book, Big Medicine. Um, how can people connect with you to find out more and to follow you online? Um, they can go to my website, DrElenaGeorge.com, D-R-E-L-A-I-N-A, George, like the man's name, .com. And you can follow me on Facebook. I have a new website um, called Living in the Solution. And on that, my podcasts are going to be uploaded. And I'm having one about the coronavirus and how to treat it naturally. And I will have the supplements that I talked about um, on that website. So people can go there. And they can also follow my blogs at Medicine on Call. So I have two Facebook pages, but the Living in Solution is the newest one. Okay, so that's not a web. That, that's not a website. The it's a Facebook. The, okay, so if I go to Facebook, Facebook, I'm going to do this right now just to make sure we get to the right site and I can share this link because I'm interested in that. So it's Living Solutions. Living in the Solution. In the Solution. Okay, Living in the Solution. I'm searching mm -hmm. that. Uh, okay, Living in the Solution. Uh, there is a, a group here, and it says a worldwide recovery group of friends that live in the solution. Is that you? No. That's not you. Okay. Nope. Let me find the one. No, that it's you not. Uh, do I, let, let me see if I type in your name, if it'll also bring you up, uh, Dr. Elena George, I'll put in there because we want to give people, cause I'm interested in this, the podcast that you're doing with, um, all of the, uh, so all of the supplements you're using, when is that coming up? It's going to be up probably within the next hour. I'm, I'm working on uploading it now, but if you go to medicine on call, 
I'm also going to put it up on that website as well. Okay, I see your medicine on call. I see comprehend. Okay, yeah, I see. A, okay, then living living in the solution. I see that one uh, just came up. So, but either way, this would probably all be linked from DrElenaGeorge.com or Medicine on Call which I see your picture Correct. there. So I know that one is you. And then you can, uh, uh, and, and do you have two on the supplements? Do you have trusted sources? Like you said, we don't want to buy junk online. That's not no. the, the good stuff. Do you have sources you can recommend? I do. And I'll put those links up on the Facebook page as well. On medicine. Um, on so I can correct. And I take these myself. So I'm not speaking from a not an unknown standpoint. And I, that's how I'm protecting myself. Very good. Thank you so much, Dr. George, for being with us. I really appreciate your advice, and you're always a, a reasonable voice for us to listen to when we're going through things like this. And we'll definitely have you back again, maybe under better circumstances where we can talk about everyday medicine and ways to save money and stay healthy. I'm looking forward to it. Thank you so much for having me. God on. bless. Thank you. Wow. That was just tremendous. I, I have to tell you, I mean, this lady is so intelligent and she can explain things even, you know, in a way that even I get it. <laughs> and she's one of the most reasonable voices on this. Uh, you know, her hair is not on fire with this is the end of the world. And she's also not on the other side of this saying that this is nothing. Um, I, I love what she had to say, and I certainly hope that helped you. In fact, I think I'm going to do something I have not done yet on this radio show is I think I'm going to have this interview transcribed so we can make it available in a print version uh, and make that a PDF free download for people that want to come to ChristianMoney.com and grab that as well. So I hope you'll share this with your friends. We're going to put it up on all of our social media. We'll put it up on all of our different podcast platforms. Uh, and you'll find that all over at JimParisRadio.com, JimParisRadio.com. Thanks so much for joining us. Remember, if it's Sunday night, it's Jim Paris Live. We'll talk to you next time. So long, everybody.